0: I'm Peter Steinfeld, and welcome back to the Employee Safety Podcast. Rick Kelly is our guest on today's show. Rick is the Senior Vice President of Global Safety, Security, and Business Continuity at Chubb, which is the world's largest publicly traded property and casualty insurance company. I couldn't wait to get Rick on the show to talk about his personal approach to safety leadership and how Chubb fosters leadership within the organization. Let's dive in.
1: You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show.
0: Rick, welcome. How are you? Hey Peter, it's great to see you. I'm I'm doing well today. It's really great to have you on the show. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you arrived at Chubb?
2: Sure, sure. I'd be happy to. So so my career started in law enforcement, local law enforcement, back in the mid to late 80s now, which is, seems like a long, long time ago. And uh, I was a local police officer in Pennsylvania and then uh, eventually made my way to the FBI for a career in, in federal law enforcement for about 14 years. And then was able to make the jump into corporate security, which is where I am now with Chubb. Here I am the senior vice president, responsible for safety, security, and business continuity. So got the quite a big remit, and I'm also of function as the chief security officer for the organization.
0: Fantastic! That's a wonderful background. You really have seen emergencies from just about all angles.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I started when I was a young child, in uh, you know, adolescent, in in my hometown. I was part of the fire service there, and also. The emergency services so i've sort of, sort of cut my teeth on on public service and and emergency services making my way into the into the private sector now where we sort of do the same thing right it, it's it, we're, we're like the corporate police department right we, we do all the all the fun stuff that you know a lot of the employees in our organization call us the cool kids right so uh so we are kind of the cool kids and uh, we get to do all the fun stuff that sort of is uh, not necessarily secret, but most uh, of your standard line employees would think it was fun stuff to do, right? Investigations and
0: safety, and you know all those things that sometimes are, are are considered bad day issues. Sure, sure. Well, speaking of that, Chubb is just a massive company. So, can you give our listeners a just a quick overview of the organization and then your role there specifically?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, Chubb is the largestly publicly traded property and casualty insurer in the world so we've got operations in 54 countries we have about 700 locations currently and we're also in the process of expanding our life business in asia pacific which is going to double the footprint over the next six or eight months for us wow so we've got quite the footprint out there globally and we have currently about 31,000 employees across the footprint right now and it's quite uh, quite an exciting time to be a Chubb. as i mentioned so so my role is uh, sort of the chief security officer and, and i function as the safety officer as well for the organization.
0: Excellent. Now, when you first arrived at Chubb, what were some of your primary goals for your team and your department?
2: So when I first came to the organization, the security department and the and the business continuity or crisis management department were sort of housed in separate uh, entities in the organization. The business continuity sat in the IT side of the house and operations side, and security sat on the, on the legal side of the house. So the, the position that I sit in now is a newly created position to sort of bring these organizations together and start to do more collaboration and cooperation to sort of build efficiencies in those programs and do a better job protecting the people of the organization, number one, and then protecting our, our assets, our reputation and brand number two. So when I, when I came in, it was quite the challenge to sort of look at two different groups of, of individuals. From various backgrounds and uh, and different generations too. So um, the security team was much more mature and had been around for a long, long time. And and almost all of the security personnel were retired from other federal or local law enforcement. And the business continuity team was quite young and energetic and aggressive. So to look at those two groups and sort of get them together and and understand how to talk with each other and and to sort of uh, build those efficiencies and and get the expertise. Working in in the same direction was was quite the challenge, but nonetheless, it's been you know a, a extremely enjoyable experience. The teams work extremely well together, and uh, it's just a fantastic opportunity here.
0: Why was it important for you to make these structural and really cultural shifts, and how have they benefited the organization?
2: Well, we we found that you know during times of crisis, you know these two teams do a lot of the same thing while they were sitting in separate sides of the organization you know, we we sort of respond to and react to the same types of crises. So to bring those groups together, builds those efficiencies and and just makes for a much better holistic approach to crisis management, crisis response. And at the end of the day,
0: you know, keeping our people safe and and resuming business as quickly as possible. So, right. Do you see this becoming a common theme across many organizations as you network with others out there? Or do a lot of companies basically keep this very siloed?
2: Yeah, I think I see more and more that more companies are sort of blending these these groups together, right? So business continuity was never necessarily a part of security when I was first uh, in the industry back in the early 2000s. And now when I see my professional colleagues and I interact with folks at at different trainings and and organizational meetings, I see more and more that these groups are are absolutely uh, intertwined and working together to sort of do the same thing that we're doing, you know, build those efficiencies and bring that expertise together and really find a way to uh, operationalize the, the teams for
0: the better of the organization. What's the pitch someone should make if they're going to their management and saying, hey, I really think we should bring these two groups together. If you had to sum it up, what, what would you tell them would be a powerful thing to say?
2: Yeah, I think because the teams do do almost the same thing, right? Well, security is a responsive kind of group. Business continuity is a responsive kind of group as well. Mm-hmm. They all sort of have the common goal of, of solving problems and, and getting organizations back to you know where they want to be is business as usual and making sure that everything is is you know the way it needs to be post-event, you know, to bring those people together is kind of a force multiplier for the organization. So so having the teams sort of in the same organizational structure and sort of you know synergized together and, and speaking uh with each other and, and sort of doing a common role in the organization is, is just a win-win for everybody
0: independently they're valuable but together or combined they're exponentially more powerful and beneficial to the organization
2: yeah absolutely and and, i mean we found that a lot of things were sort of duplicative right you had two teams doing almost the same thing it's like you know 10 things are happening and, and all those 10 things are happening on both sides of the house so to bring the groups together and build those synergies between them really was helpful in in sort of cutting down on wasted time and and actually time to resumption back to normal so good good stuff all around
0: would you say that your idea for this came from maybe the public world where you saw different agencies not communicating? Yeah, I
2: think so. So I was with, with the FBI during 9-11 mm. and communication was critical during that particular phase of our time as an organization. And it was something that was found to be extremely lacking pre-9-11, right? So post-9-11, I had the good fortune to, to be in that organization when we really transformed the entire way we did business, right? So, so we sort of began to operate as a, a corporate organization, whereas the headquarters in, in Washington, DC was functioned as the corporate office and the offices throughout the world, uh, not just the United States, but functioned as the corporate business units. And everything sort of, you know, worked its way back and forth from those two entities. And, and, it, and it really enhanced the way we did everything when it came to intelligence work and information sharing amongst all the agencies in the intelligence community. So to bring that expertise with me to the three companies that I've been with, has been just absolutely invaluable in, in sort of building those groups together and, and
0: uh, building those efficiencies. That's great. Well, when it comes to employees and safety or security roles, what skill sets do you look for or perhaps try to cultivate? So, so I like
2: to look for people that have blended experience, right? And and, and when I say blended, I mean you know I, I don't necessarily want someone with only security experience to do to do what we do. I don't want somebody with only business continuity or crisis experience. I like somebody that has sort of a blend of experience across all those disciplines. And also, it's nice to have experience in both the public and the private sector. Um, and then more importantly, I think we we've seen over the last several years. There's, there's a big, big focus on, you know, the emotional uh, intelligence piece, right? How do people sort of function within groups? And that's probably the most important thing for me. I mean, when I hire managers, senior leaders in the organization, the most important thing for me is, are they going to fit in with the culture? Are they going to be able to communicate effectively across the organization? Are they going to be able to be successful in their roles? And and if they if they can do that, that's fantastic. We can teach them anything else, right? We, we can teach them all about how business continuity works, how crisis management works, what business resilience and operational resilience is, how to do investigations, how to handle fire safety and, and first aid and all those other things. But but it's really hard to teach somebody those key interpersonal skills that you need to be successful in an organization. So those have become really, really critical for me and sort of form a, a cornerstone into how I I try to recruit for the teams that I have uh, here at Chubb.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that both security and business continuity are very people-first businesses in disciplines. You have to be able to get along with people, and one of the big challenges I think a lot of organizations have is their employees in general who aren't involved in security and business continuity get scared when the business continuity or security people show up because <laughs> they've either that's, that's they've done something wrong or, you know, they, how do you deal with that? Like, do you do you get around and tell your people to mingle with people day to day and so that there's no surprises or anything like that?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always funny, Peter, because when you do show up in somebody's door, when we are back in the office normally, right? Everybody always thinks it's bad news. So, right. So we do uh we do a fair amount of communication work. I'm really, really big on the communications outward from the group. So we have uh we have a, a what we call a village space, which is kind of like our internet internal internet space where we have blogs and we do video logs. So we we do an awful lot of uh awareness communications. We also do a fair amount of training for our employees on all kinds of things, not necessarily just uh like safety. Or security training but but things that you know like how what to do around the holidays and mm. and uh, you know how to think about your internet connection at home credit card safety during those peak times in the holidays things like that so so we try to touch on a lot of things that that impact our people and that also gives us some really really good connectivity to them and, and they understand sort of what the group is about because most folks don't understand what these groups do they only know that, uh, that in times of, of crisis, and times of great need coming in, in real handy. So it's good to have that outward communication. And we do a, an awful lot of that throughout the year. We have an annual communications calendar that we refer back to. And that's been really, really important in sort of marketing the group and and getting people to understand how important these guys are. And And has increased our phone calls, right? It's not like we're sitting around with, waiting for the phone to ring anymore. People are engaging the team. They wanna know things that uh, might be uh, critical for them and, in certain situations they don't hesitate to call now so they they have people to reach out to it's it's really it's really been fun
0: yeah security and business continuity really should just be part of the DNA of your business and if you're just hiding in the background all the time waiting to be reactive and showing up when something goes wrong that doesn't get into the DNA of the business absolutely absolutely I mean we we want to be a partner of the business we want to be
2: at the table with everyone to to make them successful and actually be part of of the strategy of the organization. And I think here at Chubb, which which is one of the things that's been really exciting for me is that it is part of the DNA of this organization. Mm -hmm. It's valued from the top down, from the CEO on down in the organization. People understand why it's important and they value the partnership that we've built with them.
0: Well, I know that you're very passionate about your role as a leader and cultivating leadership amongst your employees. So can you talk a little bit about your approach?
2: Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm really big on the on the servant leadership style. I think for me, you know, when I sit down with my teams, it, it's my job to make sure that they're successful. What do they need to do the job? What are they not getting? What do they not have? How can I ensure that they have all the tools and technology they need to be successful? That's that's my number one priority for them. You know, by by sort of being available to them, constantly having an open door policy and communication back and forth. It's not uh, seen as, you know, micromanaging at all. We have a great relationship with the teams. We have a great relationship with the leaders here. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's sort of a two-way communication. That's worked extremely well for me. You know, I have a, a small direct report uh, team of vice presidents that report to me, and they have larger teams. It's the same with them. You know, just a constant information flow and uh, sort of helping them be successful with their teams as well.
0: Well you mentioned it before so I'm going to go there again but uh, do you modify or adapt your approach to leadership based on the generational differences of your employees?
2: Yeah, I think a little bit I have because you know when I came here as I said before the security team was a very senior group of individuals so they they sort of do things and and see things very differently than a younger crew of, you know, business continuity tech savvy very analytical individuals right so so when you see those two groups you've got to sort of play to their to their strengths so I, so my approach with those two groups is, is a little bit different and then bringing them together being able to leverage each individual's strengths to sort of help the other see some things differently was was a was a big challenge but it was also a huge success for us right because we have very analytical folks in intelligence that that see things very differently than a 25 or 30 year retired person from the federal law enforcement side of the house and so but you get those two people working together leverage the skills the interpersonal skills that the, that the senior security person has from working in those in those customer facing roles for so long and dealing with those types of issues and then they pick up some of the technology and some of the some of the, the ways that uh, makes the job easier now right the software the technology what's available out there and the analytical way of looking at things. So it's pretty cool when you when you sort of put those two together and have the ability to have those types of different generational folks on the team and see how it, it can be successful.
0: Do you have people, I guess, learn from each other on the job while they're involved in different situations? Or do you come up with scenarios and put them in rooms together and let them realize how they think differently about things?
2: So we do a little bit of both, right? So we, so we have a lot of on-the-job training that happens during particular events that come up whether it's uh, the response to COVID, whether it's a hurricane, whether it's a significant investigation on the security side. So so that on-the-job training happens very quickly, but it's very memorable, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's much faster paced. It's not as uh, mundane sometimes as as learning in a classroom, but we also do a fair amount of on-site training as well, now now virtual, of course, but we we always bring the entire global team together once a year for a week of uh, leadership meetings and and trainings where we actually break people up in different groups and we have the cross-functional teams work together and share goals and objectives and talk about problem points and, and touch points where they might be able to help out. And so that has, uh, over the last couple of years, has been extremely useful in sort of working through some of the the, the sticking points, so to speak, that some of the groups have had. Mm. So we do we do a little bit of a, a blended approach there to to sort of uh, look at that those issues.
0: Well, I understand that you're an adjunct professor at a couple of universities. So what type of guidance do you give to young people who want to pursue a career in safety or security or business continuity?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I've done uh, I've been fortunate to do some teaching at Penn State University here in Pennsylvania and also Shippensburg University, another another fine institution here in PA. On the corporate security side where I where I developed a course at Shippensburg and at Penn State where I did a uh, critical theory Class, which was which was very interesting, and the audience uh, was junior and senior folks that were sort of getting ready to either graduate or or almost uh, at that point. So uh, great conversations with the students about sort of what they want to do and and what to expect, and and so it's always good to to sort of kind of level set right because I think sometimes I found in the classroom people have a little bit of a different opinion of what might be out there in the in the uh, organizations that uh, they're, they're looking at or what may be available uh, out there as well. So it, it's it's always nice to be able to sort of give them my perspective from my experiences in the federal service, also in the, in the uh, private sector, to open their eyes a little bit to other things, because sometimes people focus on one goal, and they don't even think about the other goals that may be out there that might be also suitable in their pursuit of a, of a new career. So it's fun to sort of you know, not only instruct the, the the students on those particular topics, especially the, the critical theory, that was that was a very interesting course to, to teach, but, but also kind of help them see some of the things that are on the other side uh, when they get ready to graduate and move on to, uh, you know, to the real world here.
0: Mm-hmm. And what do you tell people who want to make a switch from public to private? Or how do you counsel private companies who are bringing those people in? Because there's clearly a difference in thinking and how people go about doing things.
2: Yeah, I think I think the uh, so, so some uh, I, I've seen success and I've seen failure in, in both, right? So I've I've had some very very good experiences with bringing people over from the from the public sector to the private sector, and it depends on sort of what your experiences were in that organization. So I think it's important for anybody who's going to make the switch to to try and understand as much as you can about the the organization you're going into, right? Whether it's the private sector. And you want to bring in some public sector folks. You need to sort of understand what those career people are doing, what they have been through, what the lifestyle is like, just so you can understand and 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 speak on, with them, you know, you know, from that perspective. Because it's much different than the public than the private sector. And then for the for the public sector folks coming out and and moving into private sector work, I think it's really really important to understand how the business really works. Right, you got to speak the business language. You have to understand what it's all about talking about budgets and plans and forecasts. It's so not the same world as we all were in back in the uh, the federal service or local police departments where, you know, budgets are, are very, you know, simple, right? It, it is what it is and you get what you get. And, and if you need more, usually you get more, right? In in the, in the business world, and the private sector world, it's not so easy. And it's all about Sort of justification and and business cases and how to write things and, and how to uh, make your your argument. So so that sometimes is a big shock for some folks coming out of the federal service or, or local law enforcement. And so it's 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 good to sort of get an understanding coming from that direction what you're coming into. So I, I would highly recommend that uh, you know you learn as much as you can about the private sector and corporate security and also about business you know skills and And financial skills, right? Those are really important in this world.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like both sides should really deeply interview each other. It shouldn't be one-sided, so you really understand what you're getting into as the candidate and that you really explain to the candidate what they're going to be getting into.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it it just pays huge dividends for both so that you're 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 successful as as a candidate coming in and the organization is successful um because it costs us a lot of time and a lot of money to bring people into the organization so we want to make sure that they're successful as well so i think it, it really is incumbent upon organizations to to make sure they're doing what they need to do when they are you know looking at talent acquisition and and uh doing the interview process and and i think it's important for the For the candidates as well to do their homework, and and I encourage that quite a bit.
0: Well, to close out the episode, I'd like to ask you for a piece of advice or a practical tip that our listeners can take back to their organizations to make an immediate impact. So, in your experience, how can they begin to foster a culture of leadership in their places of business? Sure, sure.
2: So, I, I mean, you know, for me, it's always been about, you know, understanding as much as I can about the issues, understanding. As much as I can about my people, I think that the people that work for me are are the most important people, you know, in in my uh, little circle. And you know, make sure that you understand what's happening with folks, right? Make sure that you are communicating back and forth. It's not a one-way street. This this is not just a uh, you know a task-oriented uh, job. You know, it's it's uh, you know we're we're dealing with a lot of stressful things. People deal with a lot of stressful things in their personal lives, and so I think most most leaders need to sort of make sure that they're incorporating that into their day to day and not just focused on the bottom line and the task at hand. I think if you're if you're uh, you know aspiring to be a leader, you know, learn as much as you can about leadership, find a mentor out there. You know, mentors are critical. I, I have several mentors in the in the in the industry, people I've known for years and years and years. That I consider great friends and colleagues, and they still are, are great mentors to me. And really, never stop learning, right? I mean, I think I, I learn things almost every day in my in my job. Still, it's been uh, almost thirty years, and so I would I would encourage people that uh, you know if you want to go into this line of work and if you want to be uh, in, in in a leadership track, you know, learn as much as you can and and
0: really you know, focus on that servant leadership. Uh, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. This is true. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rick, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate your time and insights. Thank you, Peter. It's been great. It's great to see you. And, and I'm happy to spend some time with you today doing the uh, the podcast. Excellent. Well, if anyone listening has follow-up questions or just wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to find you out there? So
2: they can find me on LinkedIn under uh, Richard Kelly and Chubb, right? So uh, I'm also on Telegram and, and Signal whatsapp and and i think probably like five or six other uh, social co- coordinates out there for communications
0: <laughs> so it wouldn't be too hard to stumble into you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> LinkedIn is probably the best and easiest way to get to get a hold of me okay fantastic well thank you so much to rick and to all of our listeners for joining us on the employee safety podcast today if you like what you heard i encourage you to subscribe to future episodes at alert media's website or on your favorite podcast player stay safe out there until next time
1: Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.